Lord, we exalt you, Lord. We exalt you. love the presence of the Lord that's in this place right now. Thank Him from your heart. Praise Him. Praise Him for His goodness and His love. For caring for each and every one of us. For walking with us throughout all of our trials. For helping us through the hard times, Lord God. We give you all honor and glory and we thank you. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. you have done 
what you have done for each and every one of us. And we pray, Lord, that tonight those who do not know you might hear and might see the glory of who you are. Praise you and we love you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, I can barely stand right now. Thank you, Lord. You know, we all know that we could never enter the kingdom of God on our own merits. We have so much to be grateful for. Tonight's message, our personal Pentecost. I want to ask you, how many times have believers heard that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of the living God not only resides with us, but resides in us. How many times have we heard that? And most amazingly, he is now in us because of our Lord Jesus Christ's willingness to go to the cross. Without that commitment and that sacrifice that the Lord Jesus Christ had, we would, we would be lost. We would be without hope. So we must praise him and thank you forever. Thank him forever. And we must always remember what Pastor Chris said in the opening. That he's a holy and righteous God. And that we must approach him understanding that he also is to be reverently feared and honored. Amen. We cannot allow ourselves to become calloused. Because that's what happens. We hear these things often. Oh, the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost came. The Holy Spirit can, resides in you. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. He will, you will receive power. We hear these things and we can become calloused to it. The Lord doesn't want us to do that. And we need to, we need to always check ourselves because if it doesn't touch us, if it doesn't touch us, we are at risk. We are at risk with any part of the word of God that becomes so familiar to us that we begin to take it for granted. It's meaningless. It bounces off of us as just words with no meat, no substance. We have to continually decide within ourselves that we're going to remain and continue to be seekers of the hidden treasures in the word of God. Amen. There is nothing more precious than his word. It is such a legacy he's left and it is living and it's our hope. We love the signs and wonders of almighty God, right? We're a Pentecostal church, and we love the signs and wonders of Almighty God. But let's keep before us the greatest sign of his sacrifice and of the miracle of all that happens when he enters into your life. All that happens with new birth, 
the new life that he gives us, and the miracle of it all, the enduring hope, the clarity of thought that comes as God begins to walk with you and teach you how to live a life in the spirit, not just in the flesh. It's a miracle. It's the greatest, it's one of the greatest miracles he's given us. And we must, must, must remember that so that we don't take it for granted. Because when we begin to take it for granted, we ignore him. We leave him out. And we don't want to do that. So many promises, so many promises he's given us. And so many of those promises included that very first Pentecost after his resurrection and ascension. Just before ascending into heaven, Jesus told his followers to wait. There's that word again. He told his followers to wait. He told them not many days hence. Has he ever told you that? Not many days hence. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. They didn't know what that meant. They had no clue what exactly that meant. Baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. It had never happened. It had never happened before. But he said to them, wait. And not many days hence, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And even though they didn't know what they meant, many of them did wait. Most of them waited a while, but many of them continued to wait and continued to wait. We don't know what it means, but he said to wait. The new beginnings and the boldness that happened to them for those who waited was evident to everyone around them. It was very evident that something incredible had happened, something that had never happened before, and it was to those who waited. Those who listened and waited received that baptism in the Holy Spirit, that he, Jesus himself, let's never forget this baptism, Jesus himself baptized them in the Holy Spirit and with fire, and God has not changed. Has God changed? He has not changed. Our personal Pentecost, baptism with the Holy Ghost and fire is one of our greatest blessings that the Lord gives us. He's our perfect example himself. He did the baptism, and then what we're going to talk about quite a bit tonight is going to be in Matthew 3.11 through 4.11. It's a lot, and we're going to look at that, and we're going to hang out in it. As our example, he showed us the way and the way that he conducted himself in his ministry and in his earthly life. And he expects each of us to follow in his footsteps. He is our prime number one example. We follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ, not in the footsteps of man. He expects us to follow in his footsteps. So as you turn to Matthew 3.11 through 4.11, let's begin reading the word of God. It's John the Baptist who is speaking, and he said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not even worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. 
His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean the threshing floor and gather the wheat, repentant followers, into the barn. But he will burn up the shaft with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you are coming to me? But Jesus answered and said, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Words that every one of us want to hear one day. Amen. Well done. Amen. In you I am well pleased. This was a divine appointment. This was a divine appointment that Jesus had. It confirmed his ministry. Jesus confirmed John's ministry of water baptism when he allowed himself to be baptized. It was a confirmation of the ministry that John was doing, a baptism unto repentance. But he did that while entering in with the Holy Spirit descending on him, the voice of his Father and the Holy Spirit descending like a dove, he entered into his own divine appointment. We all will have divine appointments with God. Amen. Be alert. Amen. Be ready. Don't delay when the Holy Spirit of God draws you into your calling. The Holy Spirit of God didn't depart from him, from Jesus, but proceeded forth in power as Jesus yielded his will to the Father every moment. Jesus yielded his will to the Father every single moment he walked the earth. Every single moment. So let's look at what happened right after this. Continue where you are in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Remember, as we're reading this, that Jesus is always teaching us Life application. Amen. Life application. It's not just what Jesus did. He's teaching us. He's showing us how to be overcomers. What, what to expect when that power from on high comes upon you. When that power from on high comes upon you, it is a marvelous and glorious time in the Lord. It, there is nothing like it. There is nothing like it. But you will have to walk with him. Amen. And there will be wilderness. Mm -hmm. So let's watch and listen to Jesus and his life application for us. Matthew 4.1 Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by guess who? The devil. And when he had fasted 40 days, 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry now, when the tempter came to him, he said, If you, or since you, are the Son of God, command these stones to be turned 
to bread. Well, you can imagine that after 40 days, Jesus would be near starvation. And at that point, hunger pangs would have returned. Any of us who fasted, we know that the hunger pangs will disappear in your fast. But when your 40-day mark is coming, you're in starvation mode. Your body is screaming, do something for me. Jesus was at the point of physical starvation. This is where Jesus was when Satan said to him, turn these stones into bread. Can you imagine? I can just imagine what Satan was doing and mocking him. I could hear him now. Oh, no, really? Since you are the son of God, what's the problem? Come on, you're hungry. It's not a big deal. Turn these into, you're hungry. Turn the stones into bread. You know you're actually starving. And in a moment, since you're the Son of God, you could just turn these stones into bread. It's nothing. It's meaningless. Why not just do this and eat? Eat now. Do it. Do it. Do it. The Son of God should not go hungry. But in verse 4, Jesus teaches us when he answered and he said, it is, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The Holy Spirit continually provides each and every one of us with spiritual food. The word of God is spiritual food for us. Jesus might have been physically starving, but he trusted in the Father to provide for his physical needs even at that point. He wasn't going to run ahead of God. He wasn't going to take things into his own hands because the Father had not said it. Satan had said it. And this Jesus is showing us what is more important. What's more important, the physical or the spiritual? Now he's given us the physical, we walk it out, we live in it. But number one, we are to walk and worship our God in spirit and in truth. The Lord Jesus didn't succumb to the human logic that Satan was presenting. And what would have happened, do you suppose, if Jesus had turned the stones into bread? Satan could instantly, at that very moment, declare a victory, which was what he was looking to do. He could have declared victory, saying, even the Son of God will seek to satisfy the flesh if the temptation placed upon him is strong enough. That's our enemy. Continue with verse 5. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you, or since you, are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it's written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Have you you ever been tempted to act rashly? 
Have you ever been tempted to act rashly? Satan, again, I imagine, is effectively saying, throw yourself down. Since you're so spiritual and you're willing to continue to starve yourself, let me quote some of this word that you like to talk about from the mouth of God. Throw yourself down. Angels will surely rescue you. Show me how you trust in spiritual things. Show me something supernatural. Verse 7, Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Amen. Jesus was quoting Deuteronomy 6.16, where although God's protection and power had been proven over and over again, Moses had to warn the people, Do not insult God Almighty. Don't insult him. Don't provoke him by entertaining doubts about his goodness and his mercy and his loving kindness, his providence and his truth. Don't do it. Verse 8. Again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. I always use the, my imagination as I'm reading these things. And I can imagine that Satan now was urging in a world that demands instant gratification. Don't we see the same thing? We see the same thing. <clears throat> then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Amen. Well, I, I skipped verse 10 where he said, Away with you, Satan! Can we say that? Amen. In the name of Jesus, away Amen. with you, Satan! Amen. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. We can't listen to Satan when he tells us, you don't need to wait. I'll give you the whole world. Let's go to uh, Mark 8, 36 through 38. Satan tempted Jesus with all the kingdoms of the world. Mark 8 later records Jesus' own words to us all. Mark 8, 36 through 38. For what will it profit a man, Jesus said, if he gained the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Amen. 
Scripture teaches us that our personal Pentecost, though a lifelong blessing, oh, it's such a blessing, does not go unnoticed in the spiritual realms. You need to be aware of that because we want all the blessings of God. We want the presence of the Holy Spirit. We want to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. We want the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the gifting of the Holy Spirit. But Satan pays attention to that. We receive power from on high. And Jesus wants us to know that with this power, we will be tempted. Glory, yes. Remember, there's nothing you or I can ever encounter that Jesus did not also deal with in the flesh. No demons or Satan himself can keep us from following what the Lord has for us. We can trust God to be with us and go through anything and everything with us. Jesus shows us how to handle every encounter that we're going to have. And he starts this encounter by showing us in his own walk, spiritual warfare. There is not encounters that we might have. There are encounters that we will have. We will surely have. When do these encounters usually come to us? Right? They come to us when we're about to have a great breakthrough. Remember that. They come to entire congregations when they're about to have a great breakthrough. And they will come to you individually the same way. Be alert. Be aware. Be on your guard. Be ready at all times. They'll also come when we're at our very weakest. Jesus, Satan didn't, didn't come to him when he was walking in the power and the glory of just having received this word. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He waited until Jesus was in starvation mode when he was at his weakest and he attacked. And he attacked and he will try to do the same to us. He'll send demons to do the same thing to us. The Father expects the same commitment from us that Jesus had. He makes spiritual food available to us. He makes the Word of God and communion with the Holy Spirit available to us at all times. Don't forget it. You don't always have to have a warm, fuzzy feeling. God is with you, and He will sustain you, and He will supply all of your needs, all of your needs. When we press into Him, we can be assured of success. You have to press into him. Trust him. Faith is what he's always looking for. He's always looking for it. Understand that Jesus' encounter with Satan actually strengthened him as he headed out to do ministry, knowing that relying on the Spirit in his own weakness, he could remain obedient to God the Father in every way. He's our example. Our Lord Jesus Christ did not baptize anyone with water. But he continues today to baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. The baptism that Jesus gives is the same power and fire he walked out his earthly ministry in. Do you get that? 
the same power and fire he walked out his earthly ministry in is the baptism he wants to give you that he wants you to walk in if you already have it. Amen. He wants us to be equipped in every way. If he's the head of our army, the army of God, will he not equip his army in every way? Yep. He walked alert and ready to do what the Father asked of him all the time. It is a conscious decision for us as well to walk in the Spirit alert and ready. When we walk in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit enables us to walk away from sin. The Holy Spirit enables us to walk away from sin. We have no excuse. We must not continue. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. He enables us to do and accomplish what we cannot do or accomplish on our own. He enables us. We walk humbly with him, recognizing our need and his power in us. Recognize your need. Recognize his power. We recognize our need, and we recognize his power. James 4, the middle of verse 6, says, and I put it on the board here, on the wall, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Satan offered all the kingdoms of the world to Jesus if he would bow down and worship him. Satan wanted Jesus to avoid waiting. Avoid the cross, he would like to have said. Avoid sacrificing anything for us. Satan was offering instant gratification with no effort, no sacrifice. I can imagine him saying, don't worry about your heavenly father. Simply bow the knee and everything, all of this will be given to you. You don't have to do this. I'll give it to you right now. I want to ask you this question and I want you to think about it. Doesn't the enemy offer us things that seem at the moment out of our reach? Things that may take time for us to receive in God's way? Doesn't he encourage us to take shortcuts? For go waiting, to grab a little bit now, because who knows, who knows if waiting will really bring much more. Count the cost. We can expect to be tempted. We can all expect to be tempted and we need to recognize the trials as times of are times of training in our growth. We've heard this from up here before, but it is true. Trials are a training time for our growth. Mm -hmm. 
The Lord is showing us that we are able in Him, in Him, to face the enemy and stand, to walk in the power of Pentecost and fulfill in our lives whatever plan God has for us. Our personal Pentecost, it's powerful. It's gifting in the Holy Spirit. It's extreme power, extreme power. That's your personal Pentecost, extreme power from God at work in your life, enabling you, invigorating you, humbling you to walk this life out ultimately victorious no matter what is around you or in front of you. That's our personal Pentecost. That's what we need to be able to walk out every single day. It's invigorating and it's humbling and it's worth every trial that could come. It is worth every trial that could come. We are here to defeat that enemy. So let's ask ourselves, who are we? As we, as we look at this wonderful, great gifting that he's willing to bestow upon us, who are we? Who are we that he cares for us so much? Who are we that the Holy Spirit is willing to work in us? Not just a little bit, either. Not just a little tiny bit. The Holy Spirit is willing to work in us everything that God desires. He's willing. Jesus, you know, Jesus didn't need to prove himself the way that we need to prove ourselves. We really need to prove ourselves. And he set this example for us. He teaches us how to do battle using scripture. Do your battle using the word of God, rightly dividing the word of truth. Have you had wilderness experiences in your life? Has the Holy Spirit shown you already how to overcome those wilderness experiences? What have you learned? In the power of Pentecost, we can overcome all the fiery darts of the enemy. It's a promise. We must keep our hearts soft. Pay attention, please. We must be forgiving. We must keep our hearts soft towards God. We must love the Lord our God with all our being. And we must keep our hearts soft towards one another. And we must love the brethren we must show love for one another part one of John 3 8 or part of first John 3 8 first John 3 8 it says it was for this purpose that the Son of God was made manifest to destroy the works of the devil it was for this purpose that the Son of God was made manifest to destroy the works of the devil. 
Look at what he's done to this world. Look at what he's continuing to do in this world. How does he destroy the works of the devil? By one person at a time, bringing them and drawing them into his kingdom. That's how he overcomes and destroys the works of the devil. And he's given us a commission. And in our own personal lives and walks, the works of the devil can be destroyed. If the Holy Spirit is living inside of us, the works of the devil can be easily destroyed when we trust in him. Hallelujah. Are you experiencing any trials now? You know, I'm wrapping this up. And I want to say, if you want to come, if you're experiencing any trials now, come and lay them down. Lay them down before the Lord. I know we all have trials. Lay them down before the Lord. Commit yourself. Commit yourself without excuse to him. We are not made to continue wandering in the wilderness. There are other victories. Yeah, we're going to have our trials along the way, but get out of the wilderness. Get into the promised land with, the, with Father God and the Holy Spirit and walk with Jesus in this life. Commit yourself to obeying him. Come on. I know you're out there, and I'm going to say to you, you... You were made to reflect the life of Christ. You were made to reflect the life of Christ in the power of Pentecost. In his power. In the assurance of his salvation and in his gifting. So I'd ask you now to pray. Let's pray for a refreshing. Let's lay ourselves down and all of our burdens down before our King. Let's count the cost. Count the cost. But submit and commit to his cleansing, to his strengthening, to his working within each and every one of us. Let's pray together. Speak to the Lord from your own heart and let the Lord know I will succeed. I will overcome. I've counted the cost. And I know, Lord God, that you are all I want. I'm ready, Lord. I'm ready, Lord, to receive your all. Open your hearts and your minds up. You are Lay it all down, Lord. Give him your burden. 